Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. I've got a solo show for you this week. Ooh, can't wait to get into it. I reached out to my YouTube members and asked them to give me questions about music and good spirits. We're going to get into that next, but first, a word from our sponsors. Ooh, sponsors. Oh yeah, sponsors. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Yeah. All right, so basically, I am going to start doing some uh, some solo shows here. I really do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. I like I like taking questions from from the audience and answering them on the air. So if you have any cool questions, you know, go to fredminnick.com and let me know. But these today are coming from my YouTube community, and my YouTube community is so special to me. I may have mentioned this in the past if you've seen me on a live stream, but my YouTube community basically saved me during COVID. I was all down. I had lost, you know, basically lost all my live events, lost all of everything, you know, in terms of what I do because of COVID last year. Everything got canceled, right? Well, so I started doing more YouTubing and, you know, they lifted me up. I was doing live streams every night and then one thing led to another and suddenly YouTube gave me my own membership community. It's like amazing. And so if you'd like to become a YouTube member, just go to YouTube and search for my channel, uh, The Fred Minnick Show, and click join and you'll see the options there. It starts at $1.99. And believe me, we spend a lot of time in there. We have a lot of fun. And uh, so my first question comes from Richard Stein, who's a longtime member. What would be your go-to album and bourbon pairing to relax after a long day? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I'm going to have to say that it's all over the place. And I'll be honest with you, my home is constant music. So my two-year-old, Julian, he's uh, rocking out to 1980s and 70s and, and uh, 90s and early 2000s music all the time. So we're constantly playing music. And so I don't know if there's one exact album, but I do know that whatever I am playing, I, I love vocals. I love harmonizing vocals. So I'm thinking uh, after a long day, it's been a rough day. And you got to remember, I work, I work in whiskey, so I may not necessarily want to relax with whiskey. I may want to have a beer, you know, because I want to get away from whiskey. So I, just, I have a beer. So I think I think I'd probably would say if I'm going to do a whiskey, eh, I'll just do something I did recently, a Russell's Reserve, ten uh, year old, 107 proof, uh, private barrel from Kroger. It was delicious, and uh, I paired that to basically some hollow notes. So it was a wonderful pairing. This next question, Anthony Robert. What kind of music do you like? I'm guessing you're into the 80s hair bands and such. Absolutely. I love me some 80s hair bands. Give me Iron Maiden all day long, Van Halen, uh, all of them. I love them all. And I love all music, really. There's, a, there's only a handful genres of music that I do not like. Uh, I'm not a fan of all of hip-hop. I do like hip-hop but some of it just really rubs me the wrong way. I don't like um, I don't like all bluegrass. I think bluegrass is, gets kind of like it follows a path that's like gets old and tired. I'm not I like bluegrass, but some of it's just like it, it's annoying. Um, 
country's hit and miss for me, but I, you know, my heart, my heart and the core is rock. I'm a rocker. Not going to lie. I am a rocker. Uh, John Morris asked, my question is rather innocent. The first real concert you went to. Now, this one came up a couple times, actually. Uh, Doug Pendleton asked me, too, what my first concert was. And by the way, John Morris's first concert was Metallica opening for Ozzy in 1985. That's pretty rad. Actually, I think 1985 was my first concert, too. I was uh, seven years old, and my Aunt Shannon snuck me out of the house and took me to a Journey concert. So... I got to see Journey when I was seven years old. But the first one that I went to where it was uh, me and I was more, it was my decision. It was uh, it was seeing Bush. And um, I, think, I think opening for them was No Doubt. No Doubt was opening for Bush. So that was 1995, 94, 95. But I remember, I remember that concert... Uh, very well because anytime I smell like marijuana being smoked in a parking lot somewhere I'm taken back to that (laughs) because there was so much weed in the air in Oklahoma City in that time and I mean you could barely walk uh, through the clouds of weed but uh, yeah so so Bush was my first concert that I went to that was that was me you know that I made the decision and I wasn't snuck out Uh, so here we got a couple um we have uh, some some whiskey-related questions coming in now. Alan C., for a distillery, other than differences in aging time and mash bill, are costs to get their product into a bottle somewhat similar across all their labels? Ooh, that's a good question. Now, a lot of a lot of pricing is really based on marketing. You know, the 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 two main costs in in bourbon, to be honest with you, taxes. And like marketing, advertising, all that. If you want to talk about the actual creation of it, I think someone told me that you know they could create a bottle once they get once they get the stills going, once they get everything in in place. Now the facilities cost millions upon millions of dollars, so it's not it's it's kind of simplistic to say this because you do need to factor in the cost of equipment. Um, but you know, I think someone told me just the bare essentials was like six to 10 bucks of like, you know, creating the product. Um, and the barrel being the most, the most significant part of it, like the barrels are, are expensive. And, you know, so if you can, if you can figure that, you know, the absolute least expensive that you could possibly get it is probably the heaven Hill green label here in Louisville, uh, which is 10, 12 bucks, you know, there's no marketing going into that at all. And so everything that you see after that is, is marketing costs or costs being passed on to the consumer based on facilities, based on, um, you know, how much somebody purchased something at wholesale. I mean, right now you have brokers selling 15 year old, 15 year old, uh, Kentucky bourbon for $6,000 per barrel, $6,000 per barrel. And so they take that $6,000 and, you know, it's passed on to the consumer. So that's why you see, you know, so much 15-year-old bourbon now being 200 bucks is because, you know, they paid an arm and a leg for it. So um, I hope that kind of 
answers the question there, Alan? Uh, from J Star, has Heaven Hill six-year-old green label been discontinued? <laughs> now look at that. I just brought up Heaven Hill six-year-old. Actually, no, it has not. I recently checked about that. That's one of those uh, one of those brands that gets um, you know brought up and as rumored of being discontinued every so often. And so just every so often, I check in with Heaven Hill like, hey, is it still around? Hey, is it still around? It's kind of like the Elmer Teeley joining the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection rumor. Uh, it's just it's just not just not happening. Uh, Marty McLeod, best MGP bourbon under seventy five that is attainable, and then maybe the opposite of that too. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna guess you mean like the source products, uh, but if you're talking about MGP proper, you know, I mean Remus is a very good is a very good pour. Uh, I think their repeal their their repeal stock is incredible. So I would say Remus and Remus. Uh, Bob uh, Manandeo, how about doing a four grain bourbon taste off? That is a good idea, Bob. I've been liking me some uh, some four grains lately. As you know, I'm a big fan of that Spirits French Lick. Keep talking about it. Uh, Joe Roadtruck, longtime member. I think he might have been the first or second member. He's, he was one of the first five members on the YouTube community. My rum foo is minimal, but I have been buying Foursquare. Thanks for that influence. Joe wants to know if I've tasted the latest releases from Foursquare. Uh, and sadly, no, I have not. I've been really slacking on my rum tastings lately. I need to get back on that. Uh, Super Dram, I live in a state where you are not allowed to have bourbon shipped. Have you heard of any creative ways of people overcoming this? It's super frustrated. Now, listen, Super Dram, while I appreciate the question and your membership, it's very much worth me pointing out that if it is illegal to ship to your state... You don't want to get someone in trouble by asking them to sneak around it. People have gone to jail or have been fined and stuff like that. So you got to be very, very careful. Uh, and you never want to see someone with a license lose their license. So if, if you can't, um, if someone can't ship to you, I just say, you know, have them ship to a friend that lives in a state that can. Like, for example, when that happens to me, I have friends in Indiana I have stuff shipped to. Uh Carter Mayfield, I would go with whiskeys that have been surprised or disappointed you so far in 2021. I think probably the most surprising whiskey for me so far has been the Woodson Bourbon. Now, Woodson Bourbon is the is the bourbon of um, Charles Woodson, of course, and he is uh, he's an NFL Hall of Famer. But that is the most surprising bourbon to me. It's 80 proof. It's rapidly aged. And I have traditionally not liked 80 proof or rapid aged products. But you know what? I liked it. It was tasty. And it would be just fine in that conversation of like Jim Beam or Evan Williams. So that is the most surprising one for me so far this year. I don't think I've really had anything that's disappointed me. But it's too early in 2021 uh, for that. But, um, mm, yeah. Uh, RVA Whiskey. Curious if you have tried Joseph Magnus and Murray Hill Club. Seeing various reviews of it. And curious to see what your palate thinks of it. Searched your videos and didn't see anything related to these bottles. That is true. I have not posted a review of those. 
um, I'm actually a fan. You know, they're they're very good blenders, and you know, I think Joseph Magnus does does a good job. So, I probably should get a review on that out there, though. Uh, Watchman nine 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 says, obviously vodka sucks, but what are your top three drink categories, and why? And what is your current favorite in each? Okay. Obviously going to go with bourbon. You know, bourbon is, I'm married to bourbon. I mean, I'm in bourbon for bourbon and bourbon, 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 bourbon. Uh, after that, it's sco- uh, scotch and rum, you know, or tequila. Uh, maybe gin. Good Lord. I just like a lot of stuff. Is that is that so wrong? Is that so wrong? I mean, for goodness gracious, I actually am a founder of a spirits competition. So if I don't love spirits, then, you know, I've got some issues. But um, let's see if we have any other questions from the membership here. Uh, no, it looks like that was that was a good chunk of them. Uh, let me just go back in here and double check. I will say, I will say, oh, here we go. Tim Cornay, I recently just started to get the bug to collect bourbon. Today I have over 30 bottles. And boy, that didn't take long. I've been a big fan of wine, and I know you started as a wine critic. How do I balance both passions? Do you still enjoy drinking wine? Hmm, Tim, I'll tell you, I am I am of the belief it is almost impossible to have a high-level wine palate and a high-level whiskey palate. The fact is, is the alcohol percentage in, in whiskey requires your palate to basically transform to 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 get through the alcohol to find nuance. It's just it's just a fact. You know, I still love wine, but I can't break it down like I used to. And um you know, we I'm a consumer of wine now. I'm really not a critic of it anymore. So, while I will taste wine with guests of the podcast like I did with Harry Share and as I will soon with a big name, uh, I can't wait to tell you about. But you know, I, I just, I'm not saying my wine palate is gone. I'm just telling you I ain't nowhere as good as I used to be. And I also think, you know, tasting whiskey at a high level is more difficult than tasting wine at a high level because of the alcohol percentage and knowing flaws, um, whereas flaws are not as, flaw, flaws present themselves pretty well in wine. You know, I mean, you can taste corked very easily. In whiskey, the alcohol content can mask a lot of flaws, and so that's that's kind of the uh, the one thing that I will say about that. But I do I do love wine. I miss wine a little bit, uh, especially on the, on the friendship side. Oh, Anthony Robert with another question. I'm going to Kentucky in July to go on a bourbon trail tour. Very excited, first timer. Staying in Louisville, what are the top five distilleries to hit outside of Louisville? Uh, definitely Four Roses. You know, you're going to get a great educational tour at Four Roses, learn all about yeast. I think Buffalo Trace is is the best, like, overall distillery, and you get this incredible wow factor of those old warehouses. Uh, Maker's Mark is, like, cut out of a Rembrandt painting. It's just gorgeous, and you will get lost on your way to, to Maker's Mark. Uh, Willet is a must, must visit. It's very different now with COVID. There's a lot of restrictions everywhere. But I think of all the places that have uh, restrictions, 
uh, and they all do, I feel like Willet is hurt the most because they are such a laid back group and they like to show you around. But, you know, if somebody pops COVID in a warehouse and they go to a warehouse, they have to shut down the entire operation. So it's just not something that they can afford, you know, to, to risk. So, uh, well, let's see. And definitely wild turkey. And if you have time, drive out west to uh, MB Roland in western Kentucky. Um, up north, I would hit uh, New Riff. And, um, you know, in Lexington, Bluegrass Distillers. I know you asked for five, but, I mean, is it wrong that I just keep kind of going? And James E. Pepper. And then, of course, uh, Town Branch. I mean, listen, go to all of them. <laughs> There we go. Boy, that's a great answer there, Fred. Just go to all of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think I answered all the questions here. I just want to say thanks to my YouTube community for for reaching out and, and hanging out with me all the time and just uh, really appreciate all that you all have brought to the table for me. And um, this, is, this, this is a kind of a segment that I hope to do a lot more of. And you know what? I may get a co-host from time to time, and we banter back and forth about music. And here we are. It's Women's History Month. It's very important to talk about some of the incredible women that have impacted um, impacted whiskey. And I'll do that in all throughout the month. Of course, I wrote the book, Whiskey Women, The Untold Story of How Women Say Bourbon, Scotch, and Irish Whiskey. And the first woman I want to talk about is Peggy No Stevens. She is the founder of Bourbon Women and is a great friend of mine, but it was Peggy No Stevens' founding of Bourbon Women that basically would propel my whiskey career into writing books. She comes to me and is talking about Bourbon Women and talking about how women were a big part of the about the bourbon industry. But the bourbon distillers never talked about their women. They never brought them up in their history. And so as I was researching into this, I was like, holy cow, not only is Peggy right, but no one's ever written a book about this. And I was very new to, you know, the the whiskey scene, if you will. Well, I wasn't that new. I'd been in it for five years. But in comparison to people uh, like Chuck Cowdery at the time, I was, I was new. And uh, I wanted to write a book about bourbon. And I thought it would be a history of bourbon, but it turns out it was going to be, my first book was going to be about women. And that was a book that was in my soul. I had to write it and tell the great stories of women that had been forgotten in time. And now, now the distillers are, can't talk about their women enough as they should be. But it all starts with Peggy No Stevens and I uh, going out for lunch and her telling me all about bourbon women. That happened about 10 years ago today. So congratulations to Bourbon Women. If you'd like to take a listen to a more thorough, a very thorough interview with me and Peggy, uh, go to uh, Bourbon Pursuit, my podcast Bourbon Pursuit that I have with Kenny Coleman and Ryan Cecil. And I have a lengthy interview there with Peggy No Stevens. You can hear all about her career and how awesome she is. And by the way, she is the godmother to my boy, Julian, whom is probably rocking out to some um, Holland Oats right now. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in for this solo episode. Please be safe out there. Make sure that you click subscribe and you give us a review, however you listen to your podcast. 
And as you're going about into the world, please be safe out there. Please be kind. No licking handrails, no licking trash cans. And remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers. A lot goes into taking care of your property. You need equipment with more reliability, durability, and versatility built in. Like number one selling Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, Z-Series mowers that deliver a quality cut, and Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you.